0: If you're joining us for the first time today, uh, we are in a series called Race to the Cross. What we're doing is we're walking through the book of Mark uh, looking at our Savior Jesus. Mark is different than the other Gospels in that uh, the other Gospels focus on a lot of what Jesus says uh, while Mark focuses solely on what Jesus does. There's very little teaching that Jesus does in the book of Mark. And that's because Mark is proving to the Romans that Jesus is the powerful Son of God. And he's also proving that this powerful Son of God is a suffering servant, the Savior, to save people from their sins. Up until, recent, up until today, uh, it's been easy to want to follow this God, to want to follow Jesus as we walk through this book. Think of what we've seen. We've seen that he's a God who has good news. Who doesn't want to follow someone who has good news? We've seen uh, Jesus cast out demons. I want to follow someone like that. Uh, We've seen Jesus forgive someone's sins and then heal a paralyzed man. I want to follow someone like that. We've seen Jesus... uh, take on the Jewish leaders as the Jewish leaders accused him of uh, being in line with the devil and doing all his works by the devil's power, Uh, Jesus doubled down and said, no, actually, I'm God who's come to tie up the devil. We want to follow a leader who doesn't back down from persecution and rejection, from the establishment. Up until today, We have wanted to follow Jesus. But what happens when this powerful Son of God that we know has power lets bad things come into our life? What happens when He lets hardships come? And He seems to be indifferent. What happens when He lets storms come? And he seems to be asleep. That's exactly what happened and what the disciples faced in Mark chapter 4. And that's what we're going to look at today. The beginning of Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus is preaching to the crowds, and uh, such a large crowd gathers, he's on the on, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, that such a large crowd gathers that he says to Peter, Hey, give me your boat, because Peter was a fisherman get me your boat and and let me stand in there and push me off from the shore so I can teach more people. And Jesus spent the whole day teaching. At the end of Mark chapter 4, it's now the evening. And this is where we pick up. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Let's stop right there. Jesus gets done teaching and he says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so without going back to shore, they just take off. And here we get a rare glimpse of Jesus' humanity in the book of Mark. Look what Jesus does. He sleeps. He's the powerful son of God, and yet he goes to sleep because he's exhausted. And one commentator uh, even makes an assumption that Jesus could be seasick. Why? Because Mark points out exactly where he's sleeping, in the stern of the boat. And if you got seasick, you always sat in the stern, because it moved the least amount in the boat. We get a rare glimpse of Jesus' humanity here, as he sleeps. Jesus is true God, and yet he's true man, and that's what we see. And he goes to sleep, leaving his disciples to sail the boat across the sea, which is no big deal. The majority of them are fishermen, and they've navigated this sea many times, and they've navigated through storms, which is what happens. Uh, This storm was nothing unusual. Uh, The Sea of Galilee sits 700 feet below sea level, and surrounding the sea is a bunch of mountain ranges. And so when that cold wind comes over the mountain ranges, it comes down and mixes with that warm air. Storms happen just like that. And they happened a lot. And this is what happens as they're sailing. And yet, it's such a bad storm that these professional uh, fishermen who sail for a living have no control. They have no control over this storm. They've lost all control. All of their ability, all of their capabilities, all of their will is gone. And they start to panic and become afraid. Because the winds are bringing the waves over the side of the boat and they turn to Jesus and they wake him up and say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? What's the matter? Why are you sleeping? Get up, do something. Don't you care? It's in the midst of the storm that faith gets replaced. Your first point today. Fear replaces faith and causes doubts. It's in the midst of the storm, that fear replaces faith and causes doubts. Can you blame them? You know, I think a lot of times we read the Gospels and uh, we kind of chuckle and we roll our eyes at the disciples, "Oh, disciples, you don't get it again. How come you guys just don't get it? I don't understand. Can't you guys see? This is crazy, you guys. Foolish disciples. Now with this one. This one we feel something a little different, don't we? we? We feel sympathetic. Empathetic. Maybe we even read this story and we hear it and, and we get that pit in our stomach. You know the pit I'm talking about. Because we know what it's like to face a bad storm. In central Texas in the springtime, we know what it's like to have bad storms blow through. And we know what it's like to look out the back door and the the heavy winds coming through and we see the swirling clouds and we get that pit in our stomach of, oh no, is this going to be a tornado? And we get a little scared. Now imagine being on a boat in the middle of the sea where the waves are crashing over the boat And Jesus is quite literally sleeping. Of course, we can relate. Of course, we empathize and sympathize with them. They know that Jesus cares. But this storm seems pretty deadly, and Jesus seems indifferent. He's sleeping. They trust in Jesus, they have faith in Jesus. But this storm has brought dissonance to that trust. It's easy to follow the powerful Savior when He's not having bad things happen in our life. But when bad things come, when the storms come and He seems to be indifferent, do we still trust? Can you relate? Maybe it's not physical storms. Uh, If you want to classify it like it, the storms of this life, hardship, suffering, illnesses, whatever it may be, the hardships and difficulties of life, the storms, in those moments when Jesus isn't responding or doesn't seem to be responding, when Jesus seems to be quiet. When Jesus doesn't seem to be awake, do you still trust? Or does fear replace your faith and cause doubts? Like I said, it's easy to follow a powerful Jesus when He's acting on your behalf. But what if He lets a storm come? If you had to boil down the Christian life to one word, what would you pick? Wade Johnson, in his comment or on his devotional on the book of Mark, says he, he would pick faith. It's all about trust. And he says, we know where faith comes from. Romans chapter 10, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith is a gift from God that it is developed and, and created through hearing the Word of God. Faith is based on historical people and historical facts. But he says faith is learned very differently than, say, algebra, chemistry, or even history. How is faith learned? In the storms. It's through those times When the storms come, when we lose all of our capabilities, all of our will, all of our ability to handle the situation, and we have to rely completely on the Lord, it's in those moments that faith is learned and faith is grown because faith is trust, he says. It's not a rational decision. Many of us want a strong faith, but many of us don't want to go through the storms that learn faith. I remember uh, as a kid, my great grandma, 90 uh, something years old, and looking at her thinking, That lady has a strong faith. I want a strong faith like her. Well, how does she have st- such a strong faith? because she had been through so many storms in her life and she learned that faith over time. Are we willing to go through the storms to learn faith? Or do we jump out of the boat when they come because we don't trust Jesus? This is the disciples. They're in the storm. Quite literally, a storm. And they're going down. And they wake Jesus. How does Jesus respond? Verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. You talk about total power. Jesus stands up, and he just says, Quiet, be still. That's it. There's no, in the name of so-and-so, I command you. There's no magical incantation. He doesn't pull out a wand and and use that. He simply speaks. Quiet. He uses the same word that he he used to cast out the demon. Quiet. He speaks to the wind and the waves like, like a parent speaks to a toddler. The only difference is that The wind and the waves listened. (laughs) And it went completely calm. In fact, the Greek says it was a great calm. Everything went silent. The water, which was so choppy, is now like glass without a ripple. Because Jesus simply spoke and it stopped. You talk about power. That's what Jesus has. Well, great. Why didn't he stop it beforehand? Why doesn't he stop the storms of my life? If he's got that much power, why doesn't he stop it beforehand? Why did he get to, let it get to the point where the disciples are quite literally waking him saying, we're drowning Isn't it interesting that Jesus was sleeping while the boat was taking on water? I think there was some human nature part of that, but also some divine nature that was part of that, keeping him asleep. He's in total control of the situation. But why doesn't he stop the storm beforehand? I think if he has that much power to stop the storm when he wants... Maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he has some reasons to allow the storm to go as long as it does. What could those possibly be? 2 I'll give you two for the disciples right there. Number one, they just learned a side of Jesus that they didn't know before. What is Jesus proving to the disciples time and time again? That he's God. And they just experienced Jesus as God in a way that they never expected. Because what did they know from generation to generation? The only one to control the sea, the only one to control the weather is God. People tried. In fact, there's a story that King Xerxes of Persia, uh, when he was trying to fight the Greeks, uh, the the sea was not cooperating, so he sent his men out there to whip it so that the uh, sea would cooperate. didn't work. But God controls the sea. And Jesus just did. What does that mean about Jesus? He's God. The second thing that this just did for the disciples, it grew their faith in Jesus. It strengthened their trust in Jesus. They were at their wits end. No one else could save them but God alone. And God came through. And so maybe the reason he doesn't stop storms is because he's got a purpose for them. And when they have served his purpose, he stands up and he says, quiet, be still. Because he's in total control. This is what the disciples experienced. Jesus in complete control of the storm. Everything is calm on the outside. Everything is calm on the the sea. But not everyone is calm. Check out how the disciples end this. Verse 41, or verse 40. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were terrified. What's left to be scared about? The storm is done. It's gone. The waves are no longer crashing over. You're not going to drown, disciples. What could you possibly be scared of? The man in the boat. The one that is standing among them is now terrifying to them. Why? Because it's very possible that this is the first time that they are wrapping their minds around the fact that the very person in the boat with them is their maker. That the person that is in the boat with them knit them together in their mother's womb. He is God God in all aspects and it was a terrifying moment because if he has power over the wind and the seas what doesn't he have power over and that's a terrifying thought and it's a thought that we need to actually talk about as well because if, God ha- if Jesus has power to allow storms to come and then to stop them If he has this much power, how do we know that he's going to use that power for our good? How do we know that he's not going to be like the boy with a magnifying glass, uh, torturing ants just for his pleasure and then stop when he feels like it? How do we know that he's going to use that power out of love? The disciples at this time don't which is what is terrifying to them. How do you and I know that? I think the answer is found actually in another Bible story. Can you think of another story in the Bible that shares similar details to this, almost identical details to this story? Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah was a prophet around 700 B.C. If you haven't read Jonah, it's four chapters. Uh, Consider it your homework when you go home today. It'll take you 10 minutes to read it. But Jonah chapter 1 and Mark chapter 4 share so many similar details. Let me lay them out for you. Number one, both Jesus and Jonah are on a boat. Both of them fall asleep. Both boats have a huge storm that comes. Both have sailors who uh, come to their wits end after trying everything they can. We're going to drown. And they go and the both, both counts have sailors who go and wake up the sleeping person saying, we're going to die. Both stories have a, a, a divine intervention to calm the storm. Both stories end with the sailors more terrified after the fact than before. There's one difference between the stories. In Jonah, Jonah gets up and he says to the sailors, if you guys want to live, you have to throw me into the storm. That's the only way. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. And yet that's not where the comparison ends. In the book of Matthew, the the Jewish people say to Jesus, Jesus, give us a sign so that we know that you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, no sign is going to be given to you except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days. For one greater than Jonah is here. You see, Jesus calmed this storm. Because this wasn't the storm that Jesus came to be thrown into. Jesus was going to be thrown into the storm just like Jonah. But it wasn't a a physical storm. Jesus was thrown into the storm of God's divine justice. Jesus was thrown into the storm of hell for our sins. When you look to the cross, you see Jesus dying You don't see just a man who's dying. You see Jesus, our Savior, who was thrown into the storm of hell. Because Jesus said, Guys, either I have to get thrown in or you do. But if I get thrown in, the storm of hell stops. And so Jesus jumped in. He jumped in into the storm of hell so that you and I never would. And you know what happened? the storm stopped. God's divine justice was served and the storm was quieted. And just like Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days. But how much power does the Son of God have? He rose from the dead. Why did He do all this? So that you could experience the great calm of knowing your sins are forgiven. So that you can know the great calm of never having to fear being thrown into the storm of hell. So that you would never have to fear that God is against you. So that you know the great calm of knowing that eternal life is yours through Jesus. You want to know that Jesus is using His power for your good? Look to the cross. He didn't do that for Himself. He jumped into the storm of hell for you so that you can experience a great calm of knowing peace with God. And that is yours. It's because we have this God that we now can trust Him no matter what comes our way. It's because of Jesus who endured the storm of hell for us that we now listen to him as he says to our hearts, quiet, be still. And it's those words that bring faith out of fear. Your last point today. Faith replaces fear by the power of Jesus' words. Jesus has power beyond imagination. And as we face storms in this life, as we face hardships and difficulties, Jesus comes to us with his powerful word and he says to our hearts, quiet, be still. And he gives us two amazing promises that we can cling to in the midst of the storms so that our hearts are quiet and still. Number one, Jesus says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. No matter what you're going through, Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will be in the boat with you. If you're getting tossed around by the waves, if you're getting tossed by the, uh, by the winds, Jesus says, I'm there with you. I'm navigating you through. I've got complete control and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you through it. And then number two, he promises in Romans chapter eight that he will work good of all things for those who love him. And so no matter what storm he lets happen, when it has served his purpose, which is for your good, he will say to that storm, Quiet! Be still. And it will still. This is the God that we have. This is the powerful Savior that we have. And so let's let's listen to him as he says, Quiet! Be still. I am with you always. And I promise to work all things for your good. Let's listen to our Savior's voice as we go through the storms. Let's pray. Gracious Savior, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us and that you work all things for our good. In this world, we will have trouble, you tell us. Uh, We will go through rough times. We will go through the storms of life, uh, and that's because of sin. And yet you never uh, let darkness go wasted. You never let storms uh, go without stretching us and building our faith. We thank you that uh, you reveal yourself to us in different ways through the storms. We thank you that you strengthen our faith through them. Uh, As we go through this life, we ask you to continue to strengthen our faith through your word. Uh, Strengthen us as we remember that you are with us always. Help us remember that you have power over everything uh, and that just because you're not acting in this moment doesn't mean that you're asleep and not listening or out of control or, or that the situation's out of your control. Uh, but instead you have power over everything and, and are in control of everything. Continue to be with us and continue to strengthen us so that we continue to have faith and trust in you in all things. It's in your name we pray. Amen.